Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we are finally talking about story-driven games. Those games where the mechanics come second and the narrative comes first. From choose-your-own-adventure type games with light game mechanics to 100-hour dungeon crawl campaigns, there seems to be no end to the stories that games try to tell these days. What is it about these games that makes them so compelling and so hard to get to the table? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake. You can find them at thegiftofgames.com. And welcome to our newest patron, Ryan Ellett. I believe it's Ellett. E-L-L-E-T-T. I'm going to say Ellett. Unless, Ryan, you tell me otherwise. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. And thank you to everyone joining us in our live Zoom audience. If you want to be one of those people that we think right now, then you should just join us live. You can't right now because if you're listening to this and you're not in our live audience, then this has already happened and it's in the past. But in the future you on Monday out. nights, 8.30 Central Time, you can go to tabletopgamingtalk.com slash live. And, you know, there's a link that you can click on. And you just join. It's really, really simple. You can do it on pretty much every single digital device that's connected to the Internet, including your toaster. Um Probably not your toaster. Definitely your some refrigerator. refrigerators. <laughs> Maybe the refrigerator. Yeah, there are some refrigerators that might do it though. <laughs> Maybe a thermostat. Yeah. I will like. We'll do some sort of special giveaway for the first listener who tunes in from their refrigerator. <laughs> that is just an auto win. I will make congratulations. That yep, you have five hundred entries. You win. Um, <laughs> also, I do want to continue to remind people that the next convention I will be at. And I don't know, maybe Fletcher and Kitty will show up too. We'll be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on July 23rd through the 25th at Keyforge Live. And you should check it out. I will have a link in the show notes, but it's keyforgelive.archonscorner.com. And yeah, it's it's shaping up to be pretty cool. So if you like Keyforge or you just want to be around a large quantity of people in Wisconsin, um, Milwaukee is a great city to tour various breweries and things like that. Um, they also have cheese. And yeah, meet me there. They have cheese. Wisconsin, <laughs> known for its cheese. So does, uh, you know, Kroger or Mariano's. Or yeah, Albertsons. but it's... So you're offending... Where too. are you going to the grocery store? <laughs> Where is there... It's called Jewel here, Fletcher. <laughs> I know, but I'm. we have more than just a regional audience, okay? Oh, it's... it's See, Fletcher's the one being all-inclusive. Kitty's like, no. Because if I said Jewel, people will be like, what the heck is Jewel? But if I say Kroger and Albertsons and Mariano's, you know. The Piggly Wiggly. The idea. Piggly Wiggly. I've only Schnucks. been to one Piggly Wiggly, but I loved it. They're only in the South. Oh, yeah. So how, uh, There's Kitty, some in Wisconsin, too. <laughs> you, Kitty, you haven't been here for a couple of weeks. How have you been? It was one week only. Um, it's been two weeks since the last time anyone heard you. So I'm going to say what? a couple of weeks. What? Yeah. So if, if someone hears you on a Tuesday, and then the next Tuesday is one week, but this is the following Tuesday, so it's been two weeks. So check in. It's just I still think week. it's only been one week. I know you've only missed one week, but it's been two weeks since it... Oh, never mind. How was your weekend? <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> um, I wasn't murdered by a tornado. So there's that. There was Excellent. a tornado that came through um, like less than a mile from my house last night. Wow. So. Yeah, I just got the warnings, but yeah, we got all the warnings, and I looked at my alert and it was like, "Oh, that is um due west to me. I'm actually going to get to the basement this time." So bundled everyone up, Remind went down to of... the basement, and was like, "Oh, we didn't even lose power." <laughs> it reminded me of uh, growing up in Texas. I have. Have you ever seen a tornado in person? Yes, many I times. Ki- I have a degree in meteorology and I went storm chasing. Right. <laughs> so you, you were actually chasing tornadoes at some point. Yes, I have never unintentionally seen a tornado. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. I've, I've, seen a, I've seen a very small tornado and I've seen a tornado that was very far away one. I don't think I've ever seen one in person. But I, I've seen so many like movies and news clips of it. I feel like I have, but I don't think any of those memories are my own. I think they were all just transplanted from. You know, <laughs> it's just all from my the media movie Twister. Yeah, <laughs> I, need I to mean, watch like Twister. there are a lot of like videos and pictures of actual tornadoes out there. You don't have to like rely on Twister's fake tornadoes because seriously, 
people really love taking pictures of storms. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the Grand Canyon, where, like, you look at the picture, you're like, oh, yeah, I know what this looks like. And then you see it in person, you're like, oh, it does look oh. just like that. But I did not really understand it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. John says he had one go through his backyard in high school. Um, I don't think I would like that. Because I've seen Twister, and I know that's going to try to suck you out of your house. And it just doesn't seem like a, a fun thing. Yeah. The Midwest has its ups and downs, but I actually kind <laughs> of like it. the weather. The weather in the Midwest, we don't have earthquakes. We don't have hurricanes. We don't really even have I a lot of I wasn't an earthquake in the Midwest one time. Yeah, but there was one time there was an earthquake. Occasionally, there's <laughs> actually, a tornado. Actually, I've been in two earthquakes in the Midwest. One in uh, DeKalb and one in Dubuque. So oh, you, you, it was the equivalent of like hitting a speed bump, though. Oh yeah, like not even. It was one of those things where it's like, is this building moving? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. That's weird. And then later, someone's <laughs> like, "Did you feel the earthquake?" I'm like, "Oh, huh. Yeah, I did." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and when I say Midwest, I guess I really mean like the Great Lakes region because I think the Midwest encompasses more than just it's that. Very large. Yeah. Yeah, but we also don't we don't have giant poisonous insects. Like it really is kind of an okay place. We just have four seasons, and a lot of people even like that. I like three out of the four. But um, Fletcher, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. Um, we got Marty Spade last last Tuesday. Yeah, that's your niece, right? <laughs> yeah, it's my niece. No, it's my dog. <laughs> um, and she's recovering fine. She is wearing a little onesie uh, <laughs> instead of cone. Instead of the cone of shame, she wears like this onesie to stop, uh, you know, licking where the incision was and everything. And uh, she looks really cute and uh, has no problem wearing this onesie which i thought would be a problem but she couldn't care less and now you're just going to keep it on her forever because you can decorate it (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of a pain actually because you have to like take it off to take her outside so she can go to the bathroom and like put it back on so i'll be we just had the cone but we had to get like the really big like intense cone because my dog is like an escape artist that can do things like open doors and um unbuckle things and all kinds of fun really interesting stuff that this dog has managed and uh he ate like three cones and i had to go on amazon and get like the intense cone (laughs) (laughs) ah the code of shame if this were tabletop bluey talk we would be talking about (laughs) muffin and the cone of shame and if you don't have any idea what that is just google bluey cone of shame and Do do they call it the cone of shame yeah (laughs) <laughs> isn't that from up oh uh, maybe i mean i think it might be a universal term i was but, gonna say i yeah. thought it was just what everyone called the the cone oh oh that was the first time i've ever encountered that when the movie up and they called it the cone of shame it's it's pretty adorable in the seven minute bluey cartoon because muffin won't stop sucking her thumb so they put on a cone to keep it keep her from <laughs> sucking her thumb which i think i might do with my daughter as well um, because she won't stop sucking her thumb. But she's also still a baby, and we'll wait until she's six. I was going to say, wait until it's a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not ruling it out. That's all I'm getting at. Okay, <sighs> let's talk about stories. Uh, oh, wait, no. I have a YouTube update. I've released <laughs> a Psych. flesh... Psych. I've released a flesh and blood <laughs> videos, two of them that are box openings. I beg you not to watch them. They're... Yeah, they are literally me opening up booster packs, booster packs of cards for flesh and blood, and with the premise of can I break even, and the spoiler of no, no, you can't. Flesh and blood is valueless; it's worth nothing. Don't even bother. But um, I did open one card that got me about half my money back, and that was still actually pretty decent. But um, I didn't buy Chris, them. If to you're sell. using this as an investment vehicle, like you should. Oh, no. Put your money somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, if you want to use it as an investment vehicle, buy uh, Magic uh, Masters 2 or whatever. The Modern Masters 2, I think, is the one that is like super valuable right now. But um, Or Lego. Anyway, or Lego. But anyway, you just I just to, put like, those videos keep, up. Keep, keep holding on, Chris. You're just not thinking yeah. on a long enough time scale. I'm uh, sure that somebody's going to make their money the back 50s. on their... Uh, Beanie Babies one day. 
One one of these days, it's going to bounce back. No, it's not. These are just, they are literal paper. Um, I still have my pogs. I'm holding on for dear life. Yeah, they Diamond just did a stuff you should know on pogs. Did you, you should listen to that one. It's pretty good. And then, but yeah, so the unboxing videos are really like, if I'm going to open up a bunch of packs anyway, I might as well turn the camera on. So they're not quality content. But I do have a video coming out on Tuesday and Thursday. They're already up and scheduled to be released on Ash's Rise of the Phoenix Born. One of them is the history of how this game went out of print and came back. And the other one is kind of a how to play and a review. But it's a game I really, really, really like. So um, that one, those two I'm actually promoting. Watch those on Tuesday and Thursday. Don't watch the Flesh and Blood videos unless you're really, really bored and yeah, I only know of one person that was really, really bored enough. But now we can talk about story-based games. Terrence says he watched it too, so now I know two people, <laughs> both in our live audience. Um, let's talk about stories. Uh, Kitty, do you like stories? I do like stories. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher, what about you? Do you like stories? No. Excellent. <laughs> this I is why this stories. podcast works. <laughs> But Fletcher, what if I sweeten the deal and put stories in your board games? Would that be interesting to you? Oh, keep talking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the reason this subject, I would want to talk about this subject for probably two months now. And it's because I keep getting these massive story-based games that I want to play through. So Tainted Grail is still sitting on my table set up. I just need to play through it. I've been told that this is like one of the best stories in a game ever. And then Sleeping Gods is on another table. And I've been told that's one of the best stories in a game ever. And the bar is really low for being the best story in a game ever. <laughs> so that's that's cool. And I play Arkham Horror, the card game. And those have really good stories. They keep getting better for every campaign that comes out. And then I have Madara, which is a hundred hours. Like this is this is a five hundred page novel that you go through in a linear fashion. So I mean, it's a huge story there, which I will never finish. And there's just uh, Destinies. That's another one. This is a big one. Destinies, the board game, not Destiny, the video game. But Destinies is a competitive story driven game. So. And then there's Alba, which I got addicted to in a night and then played <laughs> through all of that. So I wanted to examine this because I don't, this is hit or miss with me. And I'm, I'm not actually sure how I feel about all of this stuff. So I wanted to get an idea of what you guys felt about it. And now that you've told me, um, Kitty likes it, Fletcher's eh, I think we're good. Episode done, right? <laughs> That's a wrap. No. See you guys later. And we're out. <laughs> and we're out. No, I actually like uh, story um like a nice story driven board game when i was in i don't know probably elementary school a little bit in middle school i got on a you know choose your own adventure kick and i checked out like every choose your own adventure book or adjacent you know uh property that my school library had and i read through them all and i couldn't get enough because it was it was fun it was you know a, a pulp fun story mixed with some choices and, uh, you know, you do the thing where you, you don't have enough fingers in one hand to, like, backtrack <laughs> the way through. Um, but uh, it was it was a way of, like, gamifying reading. I was never really, like, a big reader <laughs> growing up. Um, so it was a way to get in those, I don't know. I forget what they called it in, in elementary school and middle school. You had to get, like, reading points in or something. It was a way yeah. to do that. And yeah, it was fun. I, Would you- I feel like I'm the only one on this podcast who, like, grew up a reader. Like, yes. I loved to read and i still love to choose your own adventure books because um they're just they're so much fun it is like a game plus reading which i loved everything yeah. about it and um i will reread books which i know chris is like very anti rereading things ever the only so books I, i've ever reread is harry potter i reread all of the first six books before the seventh one came out that's the only time I've ever reread like an actual novel sized book. So I don't know if it's just like I have a poor memory because like if I read something like so many years later, I have forgotten it by then. So <laughs> I like to go back to it. But even some like a choose your own adventure book, I will like go through it once and then go back and reread the whole thing, making different choices. And I can do that like two, three times in a row and still have fun with that. Um, so maybe that's just me though. Maybe I'm the weird one. 
<laughs> Let me know, please. I don't think else. so. Because <laughs> at the rate and the speed that you read books, well, two things. One, I'm not surprised you don't retain everything because you read it so fast. It's like you're not even reading it. <laughs> but two, I think it's just it's like skimming. Yeah, if it doesn't take that long to read a book, for me, it just takes a long time to read a book. I read as if I was talking out loud. And so it just, it's, I have better things I can do, like read a different book, but I'll watch the same movie over and over and over again. So, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? You enjoy the story, you enjoy experiencing that story, and you get new things out of it each time you read it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I, I, so I was almost going to trash Choose Your Own Adventure books as not actually being a game. And I'm I'm using the word trash because, you know, it would have sounded that way. But I think maybe I'm looking at that wrong. And Choose Your Own Adventures were the spark of this, of creating what we see today in games. Because the games that or the books that I read that were Choose Your Own Adventure-like, I had a couple Choose Your Own Adventures, but I got bored with those pretty quick because they were just paragraphs, were Tunnels and Trolls. Tunnels and Trolls were just like Choose Your Own Adventure, but you had a character sheet and you'd roll a die and they have crazy ways of like multiplying stats and stuff. And you could break the book by taking the right paths, paths and stuff. And I loved that. I loved having like a character sheet I could follow along. And then I would reread those because you could like start with different character types and stuff. Um, and Oba reminds me of something like that. So if you haven't heard like us talk about in it. in between. Yeah. The two. Why don't yeah. you explain what Alba is? Because we've talked about it a few times, but I think here's the place that I'm giving you free reign to talk about it. So Alba, I think they're calling it an open world storybook is yep. how they've branded it. Um, this one was up on Kickstarter just a few months ago, and now you can go purchase it through, is it on GameFound? Um, um, Chris is looking at it I don't up. know. He'll figure yeah, it out. Maybe it'll be in the show notes if we're organized. Um, so this one came out just a little while ago. I backed it on Kickstarter and I got the digital copy. I'm still waiting for my physical copy. Like this is how new this is. I don't think the physical copies have been mailed out yet. Um, but they released the digital copy to the backers and I immediately got into it where it is a novel where you can't really run into the problem with some choose your own adventures like you die and you read like you know three chapters and then you're dead or you've come to a dead end you have to go back something like that you're always moving forward through this novel and you get to make choices and you do have a character sheet and you can pick up items and when you go to certain places it unlocks new locations and you can go to different locations based on where you've already been. And so when you're reading through it, it feels like you're just reading one novel. It doesn't feel like you're jumping around as much as a choose-your-own-adventure book does. It feels more like you're reading a novel where you have some control over the character and where what you have done matters. So um, I, I really loved it, and I sent it to Chris, who binged it in like one sitting. And he said it was the first time he read with his eyes in forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still digital, but I, I used my eyes to do it. It was it was a tricky thing. Um, but yeah, it uses a keyword system. And um, Legacy, or, oh, it's just on there. Oh, by the way, it's BackerKit. If you want to check out Alba, you can get it on BackerKit. Um, Legacy of Dragonhold is another one that kind of uses a similar system. Although Legacy of Dragonhold is far more... There's more in de- more depth to that one. We'll talk about it in just a second. But with Alba, it's keyword based. Essentially, you will check off certain things that you find, and when you get to a choice area, you'll have certain choices, and then more choices will open up depending on what you found or things you've come across and things like that. And it really is quite compelling, and you want to unlock everything. The interesting thing about Alba is it's set up into chapters. So each time mm-hmm. you read a chapter, it's kind of a mini choose-your-adventure in that chapter. And when you're done, you can go to any chapter that you've unlocked. So that's what the open-world aspect of it breaks down into. Um, and then we get to something like Legacy of Dragonhold, which I don't expect that most anyone has ever heard of. And it's a shame because it's actually quite good. This is by Fantasy Flight Games, and it's actively in print now, so you could go out and get it. But this is this gives you a map. It's keyword-based in many ways. Um, I don't think there's any 
there might be some dice rolling for checks and there's combat and stuff. It's fantasy based, but it actually, the map and the options you have at different locations change over time. So each time you have like a day night cycle and you have a certain number of things you can do in each day or night before you're on to the next day or night. So when you go to a different location, it'll say if it's day three or later, go here. If it's not go there. So there might be a, a, festival that opens up in a particular area of the city that you when you go there early it's not there but when you go there later it is and this is another one that's very very story driven the story is trumps the game by far uh choose your own adventure has made at least two board game versions house of danger was the first one um i'm gonna and it's gonna kill me if i don't know adventure game (laughs) because i think there was an at least another one um yeah, War with the Evil Power Master. So these are two, they used to be books, or they used to be the book, and now they're, they've been gamified. So you're actually, you know, tracking stats and, you know, there's different tokens and things to track there. More so gamified. Much, yeah, more gamified than pick a, pick a path. Yeah. So these these games typically the ones we've mentioned so far alba is a solo experience choose your own adventure games are a solo experience legacy of dragonhold has the ability to play multiplayer but it's basically a solo experience the choose your own adventure games are basically a solo experience these are fine but a story by itself is just a book right <laughs> <laughs> so these are kind of jazzed up books <laughs> right so let's go into something that actually has story to it that keeps you pushed forward. Um, and I don't want to use Gloomhaven because I don't think Gloomhaven is a story-driven game, but we'll end up using it as an example in in periodic ways. Um, I think Gloomhaven is a great combat Euro-ish game with a story that kind of tacks it together. Pandemic Legacy is where I'm going to go right now. Pandemic Legacy, most everyone's heard about this. Kitty, without the story, if you were just, you know, adding, here's, at the end of this, here, add this mechanic, is that game good? Is that game top five of all time good? I would say without that, that game is fine. It's not a terrible game, but it's not top five of all time, if that makes sense. Yes. The story adds a lot to the game. And it's not a bad game. There's nothing, like, terrible about the game. It's just kind of, let's make Pandemic a lot more complicated. Which, you know, like, (laughs) Pandemic already exists and doesn't need to be that much more complicated. But when you start giving reasons for it being more complicated, it makes it more fun. It's the twist, right? Because the story's there. And because the story's there, you're getting invested in these characters. And when something happens to them, or something happens to the world they're in it's more meaningful. It's more memorable. It creates, it is an experience, right? I think there's something too about naming a character. Whenever I'm allowed to name something, I suddenly get more attached to it. Uh, You know, don't name the dog. You're not going to keep it. Um, (laughs) But um, there is something about it where you start to, especially if you're playing the same character over and over again, like I know some groups will like take turns moving around their roles, but we always played the same characters each time. And, you know, we each sort of became the specialist of certain, like I needed to know what my role was. What is my special ability? What um, scars or um, upgrades does this character have? Like I'm in charge of knowing all these things. So I have, an attachment to that specific character, not just like our characters, but like my character. (laughs) When it becomes mine, there is definitely a added engagement with the game. Do you think this game, because you could have played this solo, you normally play Pandemic solo. Do -hmm. you think this game would have been as good if you just, assuming you had the time and you could just play through this solo, is experiencing the story by yourself as... As, and again, this is someone who you read a lot of books and you experience a lot of stories by yourself. <laughs> would it be as good as sharing the experience with somebody else? It would not be as good, but it might still be worth doing. Okay. I'm, cause I'm, so this is where I'm really kind of getting to is 
a lot of these story-based games, I'm we'll use I'll use Tainted Grail. Um, and then let's throw in I'm just gonna throw in two. Sleeping Gods and Tainted Grail. These are two games that I really want to play through. I would if, throw in Solomon Kane on my behalf. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, sure. Uh, These but, are like right. things that you kickstarted that I would really like to play with you. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to leave Solomon Kane to the side just for a moment. Okay. Because, because <laughs> the Solomon Kane, you can actually go through an entire book. They call, I think they call them books. Um, in in an afternoon. So you could you could play through all the different scenarios. But Sleeping Gods is going to take 20 to 30 hours. Tainted Grail mm-hmm. is going to take 30 to 40 hours. And I believe I and actually I'll throw Arkham Horror in here because Arkham Horror the card game is going to take about probably about 20 to 30 hours to do a complete campaign if you're doing it with multiple people. Mm-hmm. That's great. But I have to find someone, and I live with someone who's willing to play games with me, but we still have very limited time. And saying Tainted Grail is a game that we should start playing, and we should play through this, and we should just, it's the greatest thing ever, spend 40 hours playing this game. That means we're dedicating a month, maybe two, of game time that we can both play. And I'm wondering if that is worth it. And then I wonder... Is it worth it to play my, by myself to experience a story if experiencing a story solo is not as engaging because I'm not I don't really have anyone to share it with at that point? Thoughts? It's tough um, because I you know we had talked about this before I think of you know if you play Tainted Grail and then I play Tainted Grail and we can talk about our different experiences of playing Tainted Grail, that is more fun to me than like if I just play it and I have no one to discuss it with. It's just like a thing that happened to me that everyone else like, I start talking about it and everyone's like, oh, tut tut, how fun for you. <laughs> On your way now. Let's change the topic. I don't want to talk about this. I don't care. <laughs> um, which is often when I start talking about like, Oh, I loved this book. I listened to this podcast. Like everyone's like, okay. <laughs> you be quiet now. Yes. Um, but I think that, you know, it might be fun to have we like, you know, set up a board gaming club, like you have a book club. <laughs> like we're all gonna play the same game this month with our solo time and, you know, share the experiences. How did it work out for you? I think that would be in some ways as much or more fun. And you could like hear different outcomes and kinds of issues that way than playing as a group. Because if we play together, we're having the exact same experience together. But um, maybe I'm just trying to talk myself into like, what about this other way where I don't have to drive an hour and a half to make this happen? <laughs> On a regular <laughs> basis. Yeah, On a regular yeah. basis for months at a time. Yeah, we actually had um, a recommendation that we should do this, the Legacy Board Game Club. Um, and actually, uh, <laughs> Joe emailed us, and he suggested that we do this with uh, Frosthaven. And Joe, I tell you this, uh-uh. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> oh, it's, Chris is it's, so mean. <laughs> So, but that's the that's the thing is like sometimes these are possible. So if we talk about Solomon Kane, where you can spend you can play this solo and you can play in it through an entire you know book in probably five to eight hours ish, um, and you could say okay, we that's reasonable to expect that you might be able to get through that in a week if we know that we're going to talk about it a week later. Same thing with like a book club, right? How long does it take to read a book and pad a couple extra weeks for people that are slow for life? That I can- <laughs> Yeah, that I can see. Like, I could do that. Um, Alba is another one. Any of the choose-your-own-adventure things. Things that are long days worth of playing, I can see that. Things like Tainted Grail. Now, Tainted Grail is broken up into chapters. So that actually could work where you're just like, okay, we're going to get to chapter three in Tainted Grail, and then we're going to talk about it. The problem with something like Gloomhaven or Frosthaven or uh, Jaws of the Lion is it's nonlinear. And... Mm. When you're non-linear, it's like, oh, well, I went this way and you went that way. And now you're either spoiling something for someone else or you're talking about something that's equivalent to, let me tell you about my character, which is a role-playing term of, oh, boy, settle in. Someone's going to talk about their character. 
this yeah. matters like, way more to like, them uh, than it does to me <laughs> it's like uh, let me tell you about the dream i had last night it's like no I, didn't. I don't need to hear about this good for you not for me so i think you do have to be selective to do the board game club i, I think it's possible um as far as i can tell with sleeping gods it's just one great big long linear story like there is no stopping point so you still have to play the whole thing and then you could talk about it so uh matthew in the chat pointed out that um you can watch playthroughs of campaign yes. games after you've played them. And that this is something he loves to do. And he says that he enjoyed watching Betrayal Legacy playthroughs almost as much as he enjoyed playing it. Which reminds me, we need to finish that one. We do Because the to pandemic really <laughs> slowed our play on that yeah. game. <laughs> I will say that I, I, I agree with that. So I was painting, oh, what did I get? Uh, Wild Ascent, which is another... I didn't. I wasn't sure if I should call this a story-based game or not because it has a campaign but the default mode is just survive 10 missions and build up your town in the middle so it's not really it's a, a story-based game. story adjacent game yeah but what i ended up doing is i was painting the figures for it and as i was painting them i was watching how to play videos and then watching a playthrough videos so that i could learn the game as i was painting it and that works out great. And I do, there's a lot of channels that do it really, really well. There's a lot of channels that do it really, really poorly. <laughs> Playthrough videos are, you. I will say right now, you have to give people who do it well, like just, you have to give them credit because they are not very watched videos. Playthrough videos are some of the least watched videos out there. And they are some of the hardest ones to make. In fact, the main reason people do them and, you know, just one-off channels, if I do any playthrough videos, it's not to get views. It's just so I can be like, I'm gonna, I want to play this and I can turn the camera on and do it at the same time. So I can share it with whoever five or six people want to see it. But mostly I just playing it because it's multi, I get to do two things at once I get to make a video and I get to play a game. Um, but I like watching good ones, not ones that I would do. And <laughs> those are really good. One Stop Co-op Shop does a fantastic job at playthroughs. And they do great editing where they cut out all the hymns and haws. And you can watch an entire game, like a you know a two-hour game be played in an hour. And they'll teach you the rules as they're going along, too. It's just, it's, yes, I agree with that. And some of these games I've ta- I thought about cheaping. Cheaping. Cheating. Like, maybe <laughs> I don't play Sleeping Gods. Maybe I just watch a playthrough of Sleeping Gods. And then I'd be like, is that cheating? Even, it, or is it just spoilers? It's cheating if you own the game. If you don't own the game, I think it's totally valid. If you own the game, it's like, why did you pay for it just to watch it on YouTube? Well, I mean, if you watch the playthrough and then say like, okay, I'm done. like that, <laughs> Sure, that's cheating, I guess. But, you know, if you watch the playthrough and you're like, oh, I really enjoyed that. I would like to do that. I don't know. Fletcher, Maybe that's a, a rereader's thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a game that I, for some reason, I chose not to back this game for good reason. And the reason I chose not to back this is for because some reason. the storybook to this game is two inches thick. Spiral bound, <laughs> two inches thick. And I said to myself, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to play this game. So why would I back it? It comes there's in a too giant. Many words. There's too many words. There's just too many words. There's too many scenarios. There's too many things. There's too many options. There's too many cards. There's too many everything in this game. And for many people, they will know what I'm talking about already. But I'm going to tease it out a little bit longer. Um, this game has four characters, and all four characters need to exist in the campaign. So, regardless of your player count, one, two, or three, four, whatever, you're going to be playing those four characters. Other characters will show up. This is a JRPG um, board game, so Japanese RPG, which is final or fantasy final Final Fantasy flight game. Um, a Final Fantasy <laughs> is a is a type of JRPG. So that idea where you're running around in a party, you're getting items, you're getting better, that type of thing. the The game is called Madara. Madara, sorry. Um, unintentional malarkey or something like that. It's not malarkey, but it should be because that's funny. <laughs> unintentional malarkey. Unintentional malarkey. <laughs> um, it will take about 200 hours to play through this game. This is, oh, Act 1. That's the full title, Act 1. There's Act 2 and 3 are on the way. 
this is a campaign. Actually, Kitty, it's kind of funny because when they're all of the there's eleven playthrough videos, I think. Not playthrough videos, but how to play videos. And they're always referring back to Pathfinder. Pathfinder is like, if you like Pathfinder, <laughs> you'll like this. If you like you could tell that these people they played Pathfinder and they wanted to put that experience in a box. And it's good. Like it's there's a lot here. There's like <laughs> I want to play this game so badly. But I don't even want to start it because I know that it's never going to happen. I'm either going to play all four characters by myself, which is like playing four, you know, D&D characters by yourself, or I'm going to start <laughs> it with a group that's going to grow old and, you know, die before we get done. And no matter <laughs> what, I'm just setting everyone up for disappointment by even opening this box. I I didn't back it, but afterwards I bought it anyway. Why? Why? What What do I do with this game? Do, do I just read this? You it's a linear story. I could just read the story and not play the game. Is that worth it? Uh, what What's the question that you had for me? Because there was a few questions. <laughs> yeah. in would there. you Would Would you like to move in for a year so that we can finish this game? Start and finish <laughs> this game. Would Would Carmen be okay with that? Uh, probably not. But you should consider buying a place downtown, and then you know we could we could live <laughs> down the street from each other, just like we used to. Actually, and that's come great. Over any time. I'm, I'm going to tell Sydney. Like, I Sydney, do sometimes miss the days where we lived in the building together. It, it was quite nice. I'm just going to yes. tell Sydney. It's like, I need more room for my games. So I'm going to buy a small apartment in the city. And <laughs> I'm not going to have the bedrooms just going to be the library. I'm going to put nothing but shelves in there. And then I just need a big, like open living area. That's where the game table will go. And that's just designated for nothing but you know, some people have like their southern, their winter home and things like that. I mean, this will just hey, be my gaming if home. we just like make this a new Patreon level and call it a studio. <laughs> yeah. Put I all like the recording this. stuff in there. It's our it, studio. It worked for it's Tom Bell. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Not a weird like gaming apartment. <laughs> I, I, right. it, it can be super cheap too. It doesn't really yeah. need a kitchen or anything. No, it, mm-hmm. it could be a studio, right? It's just like a studio yeah. apartment. It would be, it'd be all right. It doesn't even, it just needs to be a studio studio. Yeah. We just need um, a really big gaming table where we could also record content. And uh, yeah, we can write it off on our taxes. I think this works. Um, question mark? Yeah. I, I, we're going to do this. Question mark. <laughs> we're going to do this. Question mark. First step. <laughs> Buy a bunch of games. Second step. Wait, I've already got the mark. first first Third step, step done. Profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh. T- Terrence asks if uh, Madara is just another Kingdom Death monster. Uh, it is not. It's not anything. It's not even remotely similar. Uh, Madara is a linear story, and they even say you're going to read this book from front to back. Like you're going to go through. There's some branching story. There's some paragraphs that have like the uh, red cereal box covering. Like you have to have the red. A piece of plastic to read certain texts in certain parts of the book, but it's a linear story that you're going through, very, very much like a role playing game, like a on rails role playing game, where Kingdom Death Monster is a build up your civilization, go out kill monsters, go through many generations of characters type of thing. Um, Wild Ascent is actually much closer to Kingdom Death Monster than it is anything else, but you can do it in ten sessions versus. You know, how many ever sessions it takes for the world to kill you in Kingdom Death Monster. Um, I think that was, yeah. But I want to play Madara. I do. <laughs> I really, well, you really bought so it. We're just, yeah. I bought it. And I don't know how I'm ever going to do it. And they, they have a crawl, they call it a crawl mode where it's just like a one off. You can equip your characters and play through combat and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can play a couple of those and then put it away. And usually after I play a game two or three times, I'm tired of it anyway. So that's another reason why 200 hours. I think what I'm getting well, at is story games are really long. Why am I doing this to myself? You could, if you wanted to, you could spend a lot more, you'd spend a lot of time in setup and probably also some money. And we could remote play this game. You could have, you know, everything you could have like the camera facing down on like the play area and ahead of time you could like copy you know whatever instructions or cards that we need or and send it to everybody so we have a copy of everything and then we just tell you what we want to do you can keep track of it that way um yeah i would totally do that (laughs) you would totally do that my thursday nights are open (laughs) i mean this is the thing this would be something like this is meant to replace like a D &D campaign like that's the idea behind it 
Um, I'm tempted. I don't think we do Madara first. I think we do something like Sleeping Gods first, because that is much more... We could do that in a few weeks and say, okay, was this painful or was this something that was cool? Uh, but well, we just record the Zoom call and call it content, throw it up on YouTube, and yeah, you know, now profit. <laughs> yeah, profit. Question mark, yeah, profit. profit. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, I so actually something like Madara. So Madara. Oh, another thing. There's so much text in Madara that it uses the Foreteller app, which reads everything to you. Everything is voice acted, <laughs> so you don't have to read it. You can just listen to everything. Which I'm so no eye reading. Chris's favorite. I like being read too. It's like a podcast, yeah, I, a story podcast. It's like a story podcast. Yeah, I never have to eye read. Like it's it's perfect. Uh, and then, all right, all right. Let's talk about competitive story games for just a moment because there's a couple of them, and you guys have not played them. You've never heard of them, most likely. Uh, but I'm curious about not. you've not. Um, but I'm curious about your in ideas of these types of things. So the first one I want to mention because it's the older one is King's Dilemma. This game takes place over multiple generations. So each gameplay is essentially a generation. And you that game session is going to end when the king essentially retires or dies. And it's kind of like Game of Thrones, the game. Each of you have a house that you are responsible for. And you have objectives and goals that are hidden from the group. So when something comes up, which is always very story-flavored... Um, Hey, there's a band of traveling refugees that need help, and they're coming to the city wall. Do we want to give them some of our food, or do we want to turn them away? And then you decide as a group what you want to do and how you want to do that. Kitty, I said something funny. What did I say? Uh, story flavored. I just wonder if it's like flavor blasted goldfish. It's like, yeah, it's like story flavored. <laughs> pizza, you know, cheddar, pizza, story. I don't know. It just struck me. I'm very tired. I'm sorry. That was fair. <laughs> um, so the, so uh, I don't say words in the right ways oftentimes. <laughs> I don't hear them the right ways either. So that's why, yay, podcast. But so for something like this, where you have the refugees at the gate, now you might have a goal that says, hey, we want to you know recruit allies around the kingdom and you might another person might have a goal of we want to make sure we have enough food for the winter so you both have you know different things like i may need food for the winter so i'm going to turn these guys away but fletcher may be like no 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 we should help them out and then you have these actual moral debates as to what you should do with these refugees at the gate and you have to justify why people should vote with you in the way that you want because you're just trying to you know, meet your ulterior motives. And this game takes place over, uh, I want to say like a dozen plus generations. Like it's playable in in a few weeks of game sessions, but <laughs> but it's a competitive story game. And as you do things, different cards and events will get shuffled into the event deck. Others will get removed. You know, you're making decisions that will affect the future as you're playing through. And I want to play this game so bad, but I have to get the same group together over and over and over. And there are online ways of playing this, but they none of them seemed really that easy. It had to do with a lot of Google spreadsheets and stuff, which just seems like, <laughs> I don't know. Does that sound interesting? Like this type of story, competitive story game? Sounds interesting, but I don't think I've ever played anything that's really like it. So I don't know. That's what makes it amazing. <laughs> I don't like it, but that's just because I don't like persuading people to do things games oh that is actually um, a good point all right but spencer sounds like spencer would really enjoy this game oh yeah spencer would love this game um but you know as our infamous paris debate has <laughs> solidified <laughs> when i feel that there is a right choice um i will not back down <laughs> in this um and sometimes Game stopping and irritating, and I don't enjoy playing games where that side of me comes out. So, I, 100%. I I'm intrigued by the concept of a competitive story driven game, but this one in particular, I don't know if the mechanic is something I would enjoy. But well, I would definitely explore others on this list. Well, let me tell you about another, and this one is one that Sydney and I are. 
well, I'm three sessions in. She's two sessions in because I played the first one solo. Um, it, it, it's, it is also another competitive story game. And The Witcher, which just funded for crazy amounts of eight plus million dollars on Kickstarter, <laughs> actually has a similar, um, uh, kind of a similar thing that goes along with it. But we'll talk Destinies first. Destinies, you are going to, it's a one to three player game and basically a two or three player game um, to do it competitively. You will have a character card and on the back of this character card, you have two goals. And it's the only secret information in the game is these two goals. And you can explore either of them. You don't have to pick. You can choose which one you want to do. And you're going to move around this map trying to ask people about your goal uh, you know, sometimes you're recruiting people. Sometimes you're finding items. Sometimes you're looking for information or trying to complete a ritual. There's something you're trying to do. And you're trying to complete your goal, one of your goals, before anyone else does. And if you do, you get the ending of, hey, this was cool. This is what you got. And if you don't, then you get a, a, a footnote saying, and this person failed miserably and no one ever heard about them again. <laughs> it is so much fun. This is by Lucky Duck Games, and Lucky Duck Games uses, um, basically, they have QR codes on all of the game components. So when I go and I go to a particular location, I can ask somebody at that location about an item I have. And I scan the QR code on the item, and they will let me know, like, oh, yeah, this is a this or a that or whatever. And all this, anything you find out is all public knowledge, so you can use anything that anyone finds out to, you know, help your own cause. But what this does is it allows you to run around asking people about things, talking to people, scanning things, trading items. And the skill system, like the game part of this game, is so good. It's just it's just skill rolls. But the way that the skill rolls work is you have a track. You have three different skills, like brains, agility, and strength. And the three different skills range from 1 to 12. And you're going to put little pips on some of the numbers. So I might have one on three, five, and nine. And then I'm going to roll two six-sided dice. And say I roll a four. Well, I have one success because I have a pip on the three. But if I have one on the if I roll a six, then I get a success on the three and the five. Anytime I level up, I get to move these pips. So now I can decide, well, do I want the three to be you know, on the one side, so I always guarantee a success, or I want to pull the nine down a little bit, so I have more chance of earning there. Plus, the six-sided dice only go from one to four, so, you know, it's eight is the best you can roll without bonuses. This game is amazing. It is amazing. It is It sounds five. a little bit like a competitive version of Time Stories in some ways, but cooler mechanic or cooler the you know, QR code that, app integration thing? That's not... That's not that far off. Now, all knowledge that you find is public knowledge, but you are all trying to solve your own little mystery in a shared world. So as an example, you might find a, a knight, and I know I'm trying to recruit mm -hmm. knights, but for you, this knight wants something because he wants something from both of us. But to me, I can ask him about my quest, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll join you if you do this thing for me. For you, he's like, I'll give you this item if you do this thing for me. Like... It's, yeah, it's kind of like Time Stories, only much cooler. This game is amazing. It is Well, it amazing. also doesn't have the, the looping mechanic, which is, I think, the coolest part of Time Stories is, you know, going through and like, it, but it's also sometimes the worst part of Time Stories yeah. if you just miss it and you have to play oh, through again. But there is the solo <laughs> version. And th there's two versions of the solo. One is exploration, exploration, which is kind of boring. You just get to wander around <laughs> the world until you eventually succeed, which is fine. The other one is the challenge, where the world is actually throwing events at you. And if you don't solve your goal within, or, you know, meet your destiny within a few or a certain amount of turns or between before a certain event happens, you lose. And then you play again. But now you have the knowledge of that first one. So it has this... The challenges are hard enough where you have to play multiple times to know how to beat the scenario. So, so it is a little that. like it seems time story adjacent. <laughs> yeah. So it could be that. Fletcher, what do you think about a game like this where you're like competing to for your own story goals? It seems it seems kind of interesting, but also like I don't I mean, I don't actually know if I would be that into it in terms of like the goal aspect. It's either like I think personally, I'm either driven by like the story or, you know, fun or, or competition. But if I'm just competing against myself, I, I don't know. 
Well, you are competing against everyone else because you want to meet your destiny, the game of the game, destinies. You're trying to meet your destiny before anyone else can. And there's mechanics on top of that. The skill system's your main thing, but you also have items that you can carry around as well. This, uh, there's nothing, I've never played anything like this game. And it doesn't feel like it should be a competitive game, but the competitive nature of it works so well to push you along. Because if you see someone, if someone's like really rushing to their goal, then you don't have time to like look around. That's you always Sydney. Be, yes. Well, and I've been, and she's beat me twice so far. <laughs> yeah, because like, that's what she does. She yeah. is goal driven. She will. She ends games faster than anyone I know. Yeah. Uh, Fletcher, you never played Time Stories with us, did you? Um, mm, I, I played one game with you. I don't know if it was Time Stories, but there's like there's this way that like time flows on this like board and it kind of like switches is that time stories do you know what I think that, about? I think you are talking about time stories I think you played no at least... I think you're talking about temporum oh right yes, maybe I think it was temporum yeah. yeah no time stories is completely different than temporum which is also a fun game but time stories is much more um story based where you play a character and you are it's almost um oh what's the movie or show Scott Bakula um Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. You're like time travelers and you're quantum leaping into characters. So you're different characters every time, but you're like in this um, time travel agency and you're trying to stop these like events from happening. So each time it's you're in a completely different place, time, but the mechanics of the game work mostly the same. So you're playing as a character and you are going through events. You have a certain amount of time and different actions you take at these like card deck locations take different amounts of time and everyone is going to different places and exploring and you are always going to run out of time the first time but then you start back at the beginning and you have the same information and you know where things are and you can go further each loop and you're trying to Hmm. relive the events to stop the event from happening it's really fun there was like like a a zombie apocalypse one we did there was a fantasy one we played um and then the first one is like a you're in an asylum i think for the first one yeah so sounds a little bit like a roguelike in board game form yeah a little bit yeah if you could just if you could jump back and play again it's more but you have to start like an escape room yeah (laughs) It's an yes. escape room. It's somewhere between. Because mm. yeah, it is very to... puzzly, escape roomy, trying to get the information in like the fastest time possible, basically. Um, but yeah, All it's right. fun. So before we go post credits, and we did play D&D this week, so we will have a D&D recap after the credits. <laughs> I have one final question that I want to ask. A game that is story-based... Um, especially a game that is, you know, more than single session stuff. So like Destinies, I really like because it's a single session and you get the feel for it. Um, but something like a Time Stories or uh, even for this case, like Gloomhaven or Tainted Grail or anything near and far is another one, right? These story-based games, does the story prevent you from wanting to get started in the game if you know that the chances of getting through the entire story are slim to none versus the story compelling you to keep playing the game once you started playing it. It's uh, both. <laughs> the story I is both know. preventing me from picking it up, but once I get going, it can it keeps me playing. Um, yes, but that is often said. why I don't. <laughs> take these kinds of games on why I don't purchase them why I don't have them because once you have it then you have like the guilt of not playing it whereas I don't have any of this because I don't have these games <laughs> <laughs> you have zero guilt guilt free zero life. guilt guilt well, free I didn't spend the money I <laughs> but I I do sometimes like tainted grail was one I really thought about I really liked the story that was what drove me to want that game but then i looked at the actual gameplay and the pieces and the cost and i was like no (laughs) (laughs) um but it is one that i still think about sometimes that like i kind of wish i had that maybe but then i'm glad i don't maybe i'll just make you play that with me at some point we'll just (laughs) 
make a thing of it where we're like, okay, we are going to just sequester ourselves from kids. The, the, the spouses, we're leaving them with the kids and Kitty and I are going to go play Tainted Grill for eight hours and that'll work out well. Um, it's And we'll see whose children are still alive when we're done. Exactly. <laughs> I will say though, but let's take a look at our Pandemic Legacy Season 2. I think if there wasn't a story attached to that particular game, one of us would have played another game of that since we ended. But because there's a story attached to it, and because we've lost the thread of the story, I almost have no desire to pick it back up. Because I'm like, we're mid-story. Yeah. I don't remember what's going on. So in that case, it was compelling while we were able to play it. Well, but as soon Chris as Chris burned that- Paris to the ground. And well, Paris deserved. <laughs> there's to be no burnt. point. Paris is lost, and you don't want to be in a world without Paris. It was holding the thread to get like the world is not. <laughs> it, it's not good. Everything is bad. You broke the story. I'm just. I don't know. It feels like to me, and this is this is just a me problem. I probably have just too many of these kinds <laughs> of games where once I step away from a story based game for more than a couple weeks. I have a mm. really hard time getting back into it. No, if I'm that I in agree it, with. Yeah. Uh huh. Like if, yeah, if you I'm like in have it, have to it's finish great. it. Uh huh. Yep. So that's why I I dread something like Madara, which looks like an amazing game, but I know there is no way. Like I would have to dedicate. This would just be a Madara podcast for the next year. If this, <laughs> if we did that, if we changed this to a Madara podcast for a year, we might be able to get through a significant portion of that game. Email us, let us know, Second should podcast. we talk about Madara for 50 weeks? <laughs> <laughs> or we could just, yeah, we could just start a new podcast. I might, or, maybe that way. Or ins- instead of having like the RPG focused episode, we just, it's just a Madara focused episode. <laughs> yeah, it's just, no, because then it would be 10 years of Madara. We had, it would have to be, we have to play weekly. There's no way. No, I mean, we just catch everybody up on what we did yeah. the past few weeks yeah. on well, that even, one episode. Honestly, even for our D&D campaign, right? Because we ended up canceling two weeks in a row, and I'm like, three weeks is too much. This this mm-hmm. last Friday, I, my you know, I'm like, I could I could skip this one, but we've skipped already two, and if we skip three, that's a campaign killer. Like that's yeah. enough. Where it's like, nope, we need to do this. So there's some dedication into keeping these long stories going, which is why I'm contemplating changing how we do D&D, but we will talk about that in our D&D episode um, in two <laughs> weeks. So, but in the meantime, let's recap our D&D after the credits. And uh, I don't have to do either part of this this time. So yeah, you guys go. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting views and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge uh, thank you to our no, patrons. Wait. Before we thank our patrons, we're going to thank John, okay. who's also one of our patrons, because... He reminded me that I promised to do a drawing. (laughs) So we are going to do that drawing right now. And for those of you who tune out as soon as the credits start, well, um, surprise, sometimes things happen after credits start. All right. So let's see. Sharing the spreadsheet. There we go. All right. We are going to, we're going to do a, Two. Two people we're going to draw. And you go five, four, three, two, one. And the winner is Jeremy Fisher. Winner on Hooray. 621. Congratulations, Jeremy. You have two weeks. Two weeks to email me and pick some games from the list in the show notes. Uh, give me like two or three. So depending on who gets in first, if you pick the same games, you get the ones on the top of your list. All right, and the second winner is going to be five, four, three, two, one. Um, Lehan Verholst. Lehan, same thing. Email me and pick some games. Um, eventually, there was there was really bouncing around doing the email thing on the first one too, um, and now it's sitting down there. So let's see. This person would have won if 
I, I'm not going to, people can see it, but I'm not going to say it because then that person's going to be like, oh man. <laughs> 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 Someone else would have won had I gone one more step. Um, all right. I will probably, let's see, what is this? This is the 21st, so next week's 28th. All right. So our next drawing will be on a role playing game episode. And there's a couple topics that I think we're going to be talking about there. Um, I think I want to talk about basically campaign structures and options and things like that, because it's going to be very topical to, you know, how do you keep a campaign going? How do you set it up so that people can come and go and different options and things like that? So that'll be our role-playing game episode, probably unless we change our mind between now and then. And next week, I don't have a topic yet. So I don't know. We'll figure out something. But um, Fletcher, who? what patrons are we thinking? Finally, finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Milner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholz, one of our winners, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keefe, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Lum, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Baz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And did you add our new patron on here? Um, I did add a new patron, and a special, special great thanks to Ryan Ellett. L Ellett. L Ellett. Just Ellett. commit. <laughs> 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 Thank you to everyone else who's up in a patron. Um, also, I am going to revisit the Patreon levels um, soon. So um, that doesn't really mean anything. Anyway, until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, role playing game time talking about stuff. Talking about stuff. I was so tired. Do? I don't remember. <laughs> I was so Fle- tired. And I'm still so tired. All right. Well, Fletcher, we spent a you bunch tell of time. us. Well, okay. Oh! I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> we spent a bunch of time trying to figure out what to do. Um, and then we decided, it, we're like, okay, let's lay low. So we go to <laughs> a tavern. And wait, 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 wait. You got to back up a little bit. Back up, back up, back up. Okay. <laughs> For those who have not been following along, the plan was it's to let the them. drow attack Skullport, which is this underworld city, to try and kill Xanathar, who's this beholder mob boss that basically is controlling the underworld city. So the paladin of the party, Spencer, decided that, yeah, let's just watch the drow try to kill the beholder or the beholder of the drow. Either way, we win, but we should also get a spectator you know, a, 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 we should get a seat to the party. He really then, wanted to do this. And the rest of the party was apathetic. And we're like, okay, fine. Just it's choose true. and we'll follow you. So you laid low. So we make it, we make, yeah. So we lay low. I, I got to use thieve, thieves can't for like the first time ever. And it was glorious. <laughs> um, we all decide to lay low because that's what we should do. There's an impending attack. So we go to this tavern and then music, the bard decides, hey, there's a stage here. Nobody's using it. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to not lay low and I'm going to perform. <laughs> and she rolled like a nat 20 on performance or something. So this like giant crowd was like, yeah, free bird. Um, <laughs> starts throwing money and then we attract like a ton of attention. And then someone asks us if we want to perform at, uh, I don't know, some kind of party in three days. And we're like, uh, yeah, sure, we'll totally do that. The city's getting ransacked. Uh, payment up front, please. And <laughs> someone else comes by, and and they're like, you can't do that. You you have to do this. It's we're going to give you a thousand gold pieces right now. And it's like, why can't we do both? If you can't do both, you have to do this. And then we're ushered. I guess it's like it was like the next day or something. We're ushered to this other place where we're going to perform for like Xanathar. 
And that's basically. And when I say we're going to perform for Xenathar, I mean music's going to perform for Xenathar, and the rest of our party is just going to sit there, I guess. But I found a wizard spell book, and I've been slowly learning these spells. Um, but I'm running out of gold, so we need more performances. So I can <laughs> oh, learn yeah, some, some nice spells. And somehow I lucked into buying in, what's it called, Chris? A sentient dagger. No, but it has a specific name. An artifact? An artifact, yeah. I lucked into buying an art- a very, I guess, cheap artifact. It was only, I only spent 800 gold on it. Um, and somehow it's sentient. And uh, I don't know any more. I don't think the guy who sold it to you knew it was an artifact. No, yeah, I don't so, think so the session ended with some murmurings and rumblings. And as music is performing on stage, the rest of the crowd starts to exit the venue quickly. And that's where the session ended. And we'll find out more next week, maybe if we don't cancel. Actually, we have to play next week because we are taking the following month off, I think, right? I think yeah. so. It's like you guys have two weeks you can't do, and then we have two weeks we can't do, and then there's uh yeah. Yep. That's the so, month. <laughs> all right. So tune in next week when we find the conclusion. Or the game fizzles because it's a story game, and that's what happens when you take too much time off story games. And Kitty's silent yawn that no one else saw but lasted for about 15 seconds says, <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night.